Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Guys, today's a really special day in our relationship series because it is our small group launch, but also it's very important that all of us understand, as you have your notes there, that you were created to be in a life-giving, Christ-centered community. You were created for that. God made you. He saved you to be in a life-giving, Christ-centered community. And though we've been in this relationship series and kind of internally looking about who we are or or externally looking at how we respond to other people, today is about us as a church family. And so, yes, we've been looking at the attitudes of the hearts that hinder our relationships. But also today, I want to look at the values of church family, the values of a Christ-centered community, because church matters. I hope you believe that. Church really matters. I know there's a belief that says, you know, church really doesn't matter. It's okay. I'm good. Me, Jesus, my Bible, and, and you know, I can watch TV, or I can get online, or I can watch this. Listen, that sounds really good, but that's, that, it sounds great if you're an American. It doesn't sound good if you read the Bible because it's not in there. God created you to be in relationship with other people, growing in your faith. All of us need to be in relationships with other people. And small groups gives us that opportunity. Church matters, people matter, you matter. And the reality is as Jesus is returning, and as as life gets a little bit more crazy, a little bit more difficult, we need to be, be a part of a group that walks it out together. And so hit this whole idea that church really doesn't matter, Jason. No, that's you're just saying that because you're a pastor, you get paid to say it. Yes, but I also believe it. I also believe. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, talking about the value of church. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Now, this is from the Bible, written to to a church. Let us not neglect the meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now in the day that Christ's return is drawing near. And so I just want to look at you, look for us to look quickly at the beginning of the church. Very important we understand why do we do what we do? It's, it's, we just didn't make it up. It is like someone didn't sit down and say, let's just draw out what would it look like to, to do church. No, we get the example and the model from the Bible. So let's look at the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. And hopefully it'll help you understand why small groups matter, why church matters today. Meaning this, the, the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, what was happening right before this happened? One, Jesus had been crucified. He had died, he'd been buried, and he rose again. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And then after he rose from the dead, he walked. It's historically proven and documented. This is not some some fairy tale. It is historically proven and documented that Jesus walked with his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. That's kind of a big deal. But he walked with them. But then he gave some in instructions on how the, the New Testament church was going to begin and how, how you and I are to continue with our faith together as a church. And he gave these instructions and he said this, I want you to wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit is going to, is going to come upon you. And so they said, okay. So they went and they waited in a, what's called an upper room. It just means a room that's above another room. It's an upper room. And they waited there and they hung out. And then all of a sudden the Spirit of God just came upon them. But I want you to look at what Peter, what Peter was talking to everybody. This is before the, the church was birthed. The beginning of the New Testament church was Acts chapter 1 verse 15. It says this, Peter stood up among the believers that were waiting, that were obeying Jesus. 
And there was about 120 of them. So the beginning of the church was 120. That's, that's the beginning of the church. It was 120. So how many believers were there? 120. Then the Holy Spirit empowers them to be witnesses. And then Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, my gosh, I've got to go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He leaves there. He goes to the, to the southern steps outside the temple. He begins to preach. He preaches. And then Acts chapter 2 says after he preaches, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a good church day right there. 3,000. Boom. Come on. This is a good time. I'd love for that to happen. It'd be awesome. But so the first day, it went from 120-member church to a mega church. People are like, I don't like mega churches. Well, Jesus didn't mind, just so you know. He didn't mind at all. And so it, what happened from there, it says that God added to their numbers daily. And then in Acts chapter 4, it says this, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. This 5,000 number is just males. That's, that's, it's just males. So you're, the church... Very easily could have been fifteen to 20,000 people in the first, you know, several weeks of the New Testament church. Then the church started to explode, and it went from addition to multiplication. And then we have Acts chapter 6, says this, that the believers rapidly multiplied. I like multiplication much better than addition. I would rather take, instead of like $5, add $5, I'd rather go $5 times $1,000. That's better. Multiplication is good. So the church was multiplying. And so all this was taking place in Jerusalem. And we read when, when, uh, when some of the disciples and some other people wanted to give reports to Paul about what's happening in the New Testament church, this is what they said. They're speaking to, to Paul, Acts 21. You see, brother, you see, Paul, how many thousands of Jews have believed? The church was exploding. So what is the biblical model of church? So why do we do church the way that we do church now? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. There's some books that say all oh, the church is all based on pagan this and pagan that. And that's just, better word would be baloney. The church is based off of how they did church in, in, in Acts chapter 2. And God gave us some latitude to be able to make some decisions like, you know, it's not like, well, you can't offer coffee because they didn't have coffee. People can get really bogged down in some of that stuff and they just get weird, to be honest with you. But God just says, I want you to gather in large groups and smaller groups. So how is the biblical model of church that we should follow? Acts chapter five, this is, this is it. Day after day, they met in the temple courts and from house to house. That's how they did it. That's the church. Day after day, they met in temple courts and from house to house. So you have your temple courts, which is where, where they, the, the Jews used to worship when the temple existed. They would worship and they would come to the outer, the courts. A bunch of them would gather together. The temple courts, that is our large group worship. That's We do Sunday and like this first Wednesday with Gene McGuire. That's going to be a Wednesday night. You really don't want to miss that. That's going to be really great. Very challenging to our own relationships, our friendships, and how much they actually matter and matter to people. But let me encourage you. I know it's going to be cold this week. Guys, here's a reminder. You live in Colorado. You're used to this, okay? All right? And just so you know, when it snows, it's slippery as it always has been in the past. So you can still drive in the snow. Amen? All right, good, good. All right, just wanted to clarify. Some people are like, but it's cold. Well, you're in Colorado. I don't understand that. Anyway, sorry. We move on. I digress. So it's temple courts, large group worship. And then 
they, they met and from house to house. Well, what is that? Well, that's what we're trying to do, what's called small group fellowship. So you had large group worship, small group fellowship. This was God's plan for the church from the beginning. Acts chapter 2, small group, they had large group worship, small group fellowship. So just want to answer a few questions today. Why do we do small groups here? What's, what is the value to our relationships during this relationship series? What's the purpose? Number one, because this is just reality, because the Bible knows best. Amen. The Bible knows best. That's why we do it. When you follow the New Testament model, you can have New Testament results. You can have multiplication of the church. You can have where every member of the church is a part of the ministry and they're, they're reaching out to people and telling people about Jesus and feeding, feeding the hungry and serving. How do you do that? Out of their small groups. You could see that happen. It'd be amazing if people really understood the value of this. And so you, the New Testament model is you will get New Testament results, large groups, small group. Now, just like anything, there's always critics. Like, especially now in our day, I, the, our, our culture is like, you know, a critic is just, that's just who we all are now. Like, I don't like that. Why? Because I don't like it. I'm a critic. Okay, great. Good for you. Take a number. Get in line. There's plenty of you. But there's always critics, and there's critics uh, who are critical of large group gatherings like this. Well, you, you know, you don't want to go to a mega church because they say it's ineffective. You can't disciple. What really you just need to be in a house church. Okay, that sounds really good. But then you have people who are critical of house churches or small group fellowships or small groups. Well, that's not necessary. I don't really have time. This really doesn't fit our culture. Now, look, look I've, I've studied the house church movement as I looked throughout Europe and Africa and also in Asia. And there is a very common theme to people who reject the structure of church and say, we just want to do house church and small group church. There's a very common theme. I've, sp I've spoken to people who were in house churches even in China. And so there are several books on this. But here's, here is, here's the issue of just small groups or house churches. It lacks oversight. It lacks the biblical model of eldership. It lacks the covering of pastoral spiritual covering. And usually what happens over time is that men are involved and, and leaders are involved. And what happens is that, that home group or fellowship without any accountability becomes manipulative, becomes controlling, and becomes cultish. Over time, that's what happens. And that's why you need the structure of church. That's why you need elders. That's why there's somebody I report to. That be, that's why, and those, those group of men are our are, are board of directors and our elders. They, 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 they give me information. We have, a, we have structure to keep us safe and to keep you safe. How many are grateful for that? Come on, I'm grateful for it. It's, it's so good, so good. But on the other side, you have people, large group gatherings, and people on the outside you think, you know what, that looks really good too. That looks really good, but it lacks relationship, and that's the truth. It lacks relationship, and it lacks discipleship. If we just came and gathered, and everyone left and never talked to each other, that's really not serving um, the whole purpose either. So what do we want? So do you want large group gatherings where we can call people in, and you, we can have um, time for people to bring their, their lost friends to, and we can preach the gospel, and we can celebrate God's presence together and worship like we just did, and we, we can have an impact on our community because of, we rally together as a church, and we can support missions around the world? Yes, I want that. That sounds awesome. But also, do you want small groups as well so that, so that you, you can disciple people, people can be known, you can be known, that we can grow together, that I know your name, you know my name, and when I go through a difficult time, you can, you can pray for me. When I'm being a knucklehead, you can slap me. Yes, I want that too. 
We want both small groups and we want large groups. And so that's the value of us doing a biblical model. We want large group gatherings and we want small group fellowship because it's, the, it's holistically what God created the church to be. I want to share with you a small group story as we get into this. And uh, it's just this great story. And someone um, in our church who wrote this, and I want to thank you for taking the time to do that. But this is their story. So the small group that I've been a part of the last five years has meant everything to our family. We have a lot of friends that we do life with, but not a lot that we are, that are Christians and we can go deeper together with. My 40th birthday is coming up, and it's crazy that almost all of the people who will be in attendance at our getaway weekend to celebrate my birthday are a part of my small group here at Faith and the men's group that I'm a part of here at Faith. The people from those two groups are pointing me to my rock, meaning Jesus, They are the people I count on to celebrate with me, to challenge me, and to be in the foxhole when life gets hard. I love my group because I get to know our God better with my wife, but with my men's group as well, Warriors. is a place where the gloves come off and men get real, and each one of us, we share what what we're going through in our life and our marriage, our temptations, our thoughts, and at work. I honestly say that without the two groups, my thought life would, would not be pursuing God as much as I have been the past five years. I thank God for my new friendships that helped me move closer to my maker in my small group. Amen for that? That's awesome. That, that, that's why small groups matter. It's a part of the biblical model of the church, large group worship and small group fellowship. Number two, why do we do small groups here? Number two, very simple, because you belong to God's family. I hope you know that today. You belong to God's family. You deserve to be known. You deserve for someone to be praying for you. You deserve to to have someone in your life you can call when you're going through a difficult time. You deserve that. Men, we like to be independent. You deserve that when all of a sudden you need somebody. You don't need somebody. Maybe you might need somebody to give you a hug. You may not need somebody to go shopping with you, but you might need somebody you could call and be like, listen, man, I, I need you to pray for me. I'm going through a tough time. And someone said, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I'm going to pray. Come on, let's pray right now. You need that in your life. You cannot walk this journey alone because you belong to God's family. God didn't save you to be a loner. He didn't save you to, to have your own kind of, kind of world and, and just, just get along with your house and watch stuff online and DVDs and read your Bible and your book and, and say, I don't need the church. Yes, you do need the church. We all need each other because we are better together as a family. You may not have a biological family in this church, but I promise you this. If you were in Jesus Christ, covered by the blood of Jesus, you've got brothers, you've got sisters, you've got mamas, you've got dads, you've got aunts, you've got uncles. You've got a family, amen, because you belong to God. And that's what church is really about. The Bible says the moment that you receive Christ, you become a part of his family. Small groups here at Faith are not not just to have. It's an expression of what it means to be a part of God's family. Paul's reminding us, he's, he's actually, he's writing the church in Corinthians, and he makes this statement out of 2 Corinthians 2, and, it, this is, and he makes it prophetically as God is speaking through him. It says, I will be a father to you, and this is, this is God speaking to us, and God speaking to the church he's writing to, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So many of us, because of the brokenness of our own homes, we feel like, you know what, I I, I don't really know what it feels like to be a son. I don't, I don't really understand what it means to be 
a daughter. Man, not, my relationship with my parents is really strained. Hey, listen, here's the beauty of the family of God. When you come to him, it's time for us to start learning what it means to be a son, what it means to be a daughter, that you are loved, you are accepted, you are championed, you're a part of this family, you have siblings, and you have people who are there for you because you are a part of God's family. People come to church for all kinds of reasons. They come because of the pastor or the music or the children's ministry or the, or the facility, but they stay because they feel like they're a part of a family. Because they know I'm for you. I'm not like, well, I can't believe that you would do that. No, I'm like, oh, listen. Listen, man, why'd you do that? Let's, let's talk through that because I care for you. This is, this is going to be a church that its, it's arms are open to those seeking, those searching, those are, are longing to know God. We're not, we're not going to judge people for what they wear or what they don't wear or, or how they're acting or how they're walking or what they smell like. Come on. This is the church of Jesus Christ. If people, if people kept you away from church because of all those things, none of you would be here. Everybody say amen to that. By the grace of God, we're here. So we want to be, be a family that's always willing to make room for one more. Make room for one more. That's what being a part, a part of God's family is about. Listen, you don't have to know everybody in church, but you need to know somebody. And somebody needs to know you. And so that's just the reality of what it means to be in a small group. This matters. The church matters. You need people during the week to share your prayer requests with. You need, you need people that, that are there for you on bad days, on bad weeks, on bad years, whatever it may be. You need somebody you can call. You need somebody who can pray with you. You need somebody to shoot an email. Hey, man, listen, pray for me. Or, hey, please, please, uh, please meet me here. I need to have a cup of coffee. I need to chat through some things. You need somebody when you gather together in a small group. It's not weird. You're like, how's your week going? It stinks. Okay, cool. Let's pray about it. Mine did too. What are we going to do about it? You lean into each other because if not, you, you get away from God's family. You become vulnerable. You become vulnerable to the enemy's lies. You become vulnerable to, to, to everything that Satan wants to isolate you from where your source is. And that's the family of God and that's, it's the God of your family. That's just the reality. He wants to isolate you. But God's called you to be a part of his family. I want to share with you another story that is written from someone in our church it said this, I've been in, a, in church my whole life, attending church, going to youth group, even attending retreats and conferences. I've never engaged with small groups, though, because honestly, I thought it would be weird. That's what we all think anyway. A few years ago, I decided to join a couples group with my wife. My, my life has been changed forever because of this group. It took me some time, but now we're great friends we know each other's stories, and we actually do life together. This year, we celebrated our first Friendsgiving together, where we celebrated Thanksgiving a little earlier, giving thanks to God for everything that he was doing in our lives. We aren't meant to seek God alone, to be isolated. I finally learned this lesson for myself in a way that, no longer, that is no longer just head knowledge. Community has become a, a real part of my Christian life. Not something I just talk about and say I believe, but something I actually put into action in my life. My walk with Christ is richer now because of my small group. And I wish I had joined a group when I was 18. This is the power of small group. Why join a small group? Because you're a part of God's family. 
And here's the great thing about our small group system here. Just be, if you join a small group, it doesn't mean you're in it for the rest of your life. That's not what it means. We, there are seasons. You can join a small group. Now we're launching a semester. You're in it for, I think it's eight to ten weeks. So you just you get to meet people. You hang out. You pray together. You get to know each other. And then it stops. And then you're not in a small group. And then you have some free time, and then we're going to launch more later in the year. And so it gives you an entry point and an exit point. If you didn't like that one, no problem. Find another one. If you did, you can't wait till you're in it again in the next launch. So it's safe, and it's a great thing to step into and to try. Another reason we do small groups here at Faith is number three, because you have needs. That's the truth. You have needs. I have needs. We all have needs. The Bible says that as the New Testament early church met in from house to house in homes, verse 45, chapter 2, says this, they shared with anyone who is in need. This is a really practical thing. That God actually expects our needs to be met through the church family. When someone is not in a group, they don't have the opportunity to receive, nor do they have the opportunity to give and to be generous when someone else is in need. Listen, when someone goes in a hospital and you're in a small group, you can receive care, you can receive food, you can get visitors. As pastors, will come and visit you, but it's a lot better if we show up and the small group's like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. We got this. Okay, no problem. I'll leave. That's no problem. Because every person in this church is a minister. Everyone. The Bible says when you're saved, you become a priest. In other words, there, there is a calling of ministry on your life. And so you can serve people. Yes, that looks differently because of our personalities, how God's made us. You can serve people differently. There are some of you here, you have so much to give. And you haven't had an outlet. Listen, this is your time. Begin to give. So into small groups. There are people here who are retired. You're like, you know what? I, I don't have anything to do with my life anymore. What are you talking about? Look around this church. Look around this room. There are people that you can pray for. You can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm praying for you today. What's going on in your life? You can be a part of a small group where people, they see you. They care for you. You have time on your hands to to pray and and to reach people that you couldn't have before. Now is your time. Stop believing the lie that retirement means God's call on your life is over. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God has much for you to do. And God's called us to be together as a family. And so our, our desire is that all of us would understand what that means. The Bible teaches, again, that every person in this room is called to be a minister, is called to lead, is called to have, make an impact on somebody's life. That's why one of our values is that each person here is called. Yes, to know God, find freedom through the context of relationship and small groups that we're talking about today, to discover your purpose and to make a difference. God's called you to make a difference. Small groups helps us meet those practical needs. The last one. Why do we do small groups? Because it's a way to connect people to Jesus. It's a way for all of us to connect to Jesus, but also it's a way for us to connect other people to Jesus. Proverbs 11.30 says this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is Wise. This is one of the, this is actually the only place in the Bible where God calls mankind as a whole wise. Yes, Solomon was wise, but this is this is this is the only place where it says if you do this, then you are wise. 
Listen, God wants us to open our lives and our doors and our families and our small groups to people who are searching to know God. The reason why you're here today is because someone cared for you enough to show attention to you and introduce you to Jesus. They loved you. They served you. They invited you maybe to a fellowship to hang out with you. The only reason why you're here is because someone steps outside of themselves and realized the gospel of Jesus Christ was to, it landed in me, it transformed me, and now it's my job to go and share that with other people. You're just a beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. And we found that bread in the life of Jesus Christ. And he says, eat and taste that I am good. But you hold the bread in your hand. You do. We all are waiting for somebody else to do it. Let's let that preacher guy do it. Let's let that worship guy do it. No, 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 no. It's you and it's me together that we're reaching the lost. We're reaching the broken. We're serving those who, who can't serve themselves. And we're pointing them to Jesus because I'm telling you, that is, the, that is the mission of the church. And it's the mission of God. Reach the lost. Church is not just about you. It is about you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. It is about your needs, but it's just not about your needs. There is a lost and dying world going to hell. And their only solution is you tell them about Jesus. That's it. Jesus told the disciples, he gathered them, he said, he said hey, listen, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you while I'm gone. You be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the, of the earth. That's what he said. He didn't say, if, if, if you're okay with it, if not, I'll come back and do it. He didn't say that. It's our job, church. It's our job. What would faith look like? If we actually believed what Jesus said to us. If we actually saw the lost and we thought, Lord, give me a, a door to, to love them. Give me a door to share Christ with them. Now, all of us have different gifts. Maybe some who, who are good communicating. There are some who are good serving. There are some good who have hospitality. Some who can, who can financially support some things. We all, but if our goal is to get one more, one more, one more, one more. What would it look like if this year, if each one of us reached one person? Each one reached one. Most of them, you know, I can't, I can't reach 10 yet. Okay, that's, don't start with 10. One. Find the one. Pray about the one. Seek the one. Spend time with the one. Who's the one? Small groups gives you the opportunity to invite the one. That even if you paid them, they wouldn't come to church. It's totally fine. Okay, listen, we're doing a barbecue. You want to come and eat some food? It's, it's my group of friends. Just come and hang out with us. Yeah, sure, I can go to the barbecue. No problem. What's the one? Most of us are, Jason, I can't reach one because my life's a mess. How about this? Start where you are. Start where you are. Your life may be a mess. You can still tell someone about Jesus. 
You say, hey, my life's a mess, but man, Jesus is doing something in me. You want to come on a journey with me? I found hope, even in the midst of my pain, even in the midst of my struggle, I found hope. You want to know this, Jesus? Come on, let's, let's go on a journey. Let's grab coffee together. If, if we actually believed what Jesus said, this church would be different. We wouldn't care about anything. We wouldn't get frustrated about anything. We'd be like, praise God. Whatever it takes to reach one more. Whatever it takes to reach one more. We'd have the heart of God. He who wins souls is wise. And the, and the Bible shares that large group gatherings help us reach one more. Small groups help us reach one more. But we've got to be in relationship with one another in order to do that. Small groups matter. You matter. And God has a great plan for you in this large group gathering. And for you in our small groups. I do just want to lean into this just for a minute. When's the last time you invited somebody to come to church? It's, it's, listen, your, your job is not to be the closer. That's, that's what we're afraid of. You mean I got to be a salesman and what if I don't close it? Does that mean I'm back? No. We, we sow seed. That's all. Sow seed. Bible says we're, we're, we're sowers. We sow the seed. Some lands are good soil. Some lands are bad soil. Some lands are, we just, we sow seed. And we have a great time doing it. It's fun sowing seed. Hey, you know God loves you. Sow some seed. Hey, you know God cares for you. Sow some seed. Hey, you want to come to church with me? Sow some seed. Sow seed. But if you don't sow any seed, you're never going to get a harvest. Well, I don't want to sow seed because what if I don't know? Your job is not to know the what. Your job is sow seed. Share the gospel. Be Jesus. Be light. Have good character to the glory of God. Sow seed. Sow seed. This church would be totally different if we had the same heart and passion as Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. The church should be a place that lost hurting, broken people can come to. And you, because you've walked with God, can speak into their life, can encourage them, can strengthen them, can be in a small group with them, can do coffee with them. You can. I believe in you. And so does Jesus. That's why he died for you. He believes in you. What are we going to do about it? And I believe God wants us this year to lift our eyes from me, us, mine to the world and to his heart that's how you make a difference that's how you make a difference is by being the champion of who God is we hope you enjoyed the message if you'd like to watch a service live online you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 10.45 a.m. at live.faith.church for everything else check our website at www.faith.church